passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Way take the mic. Monday night, it is rewind a raw with John Pollock and waiting. Hello, Way. How are you holding up? I'm doing okay, John. Yeah, not bad. How are you? I'm okay. I'm I'm doing well since we last spoke earlier this afternoon for several hours, and here we are back for another night. More wrestling. Wrestling every night. Every New hour, schedule. every day. I mean, there are a lot of free hours in the day without professional wrestling that I think, you know, some several of these companies can really capitalize on really a missed opportunity, you know, airing wrestling at um, 4.30 PM on a Monday afternoon, you know, maybe nine, seven, uh, 55 AM on a Thursday morning. You know, there's no wrestling a lot of yet. a lot of untapped hours that they are missing out on that. They are leaving open for these wrestling fans to dare go out and, have any semblance of a social life or anything else. I mean, you've got to, you got to keep these people locked inside like us. Oh, the people want it. People are, are craving it. Yes. That's Nick Khan's goal. I'd make SmackDown seven hours, make mm-hmm. raw daily programming. Why not? How long would a review be if, if SmackDown was seven hours? How long would it take to review a seven hour wrestling program? I mean, I guess we reviewed five hours uh, this afternoon. So I guess it's not that, that different. Could you imagine watching a seven hour like slog of a SmackDown? Like at what hour are you tapping out? Like I'm only watching three and a half hours of SmackDown this week. I'm not I'm not watching for you're seven. Not a real, you think I'm what, crazy? What are you you're not a real fan? You only watch the three and a half hours. <laughs> I I remember when Fight Pass started and now you could it was like the very first card, it was in Singapore. So it's at some like ridiculous hour. <laughs> it was it like became this thing about like you're not a real fan if you're not watching it live. <laughs> sorry, here's here's my badge. I guess I'm yeah. I'm out of the club. I'm yeah, sorry. You're, you're, you're real too, too real for live. me. Yeah. yeah, too real. Well, tonight, everyone, we are going to be going through Raw from Savannah, Georgia. And a lot of the news was contained to Forbidden Door. So I'm going to defer people to our review from Forbidden Door earlier today. We went about two hours with our live experience of Forbidden Door notes from the Forbidden Poor uh, that went down in conjunction and all the news coming out of the press conference, the injury to Brian Danielson and other news and notes as well. The all out series of shows that Chicago is going to be hit with three shows that particular week, Labor Day week. Uh, So all of that can be found at postwrestling.com 
and here on the YouTube channel. I my my brain took you a second to to remember the name of our website. Where, where do I work again? What is what are what's the yeah. show Forbidden Door? It's it's the review. It's up. People seem to enjoy it. So go check out all of that. Uh, wait for someone that didn't see Forbidden our Forbidden Door or review in uh, ten words or less. How would you describe Forbidden Door? Mm, um, lots of good wrestling. It might be your favorite show <laughs> if you don't have time for two hours that's all you need to know okay yeah. that's it go watch yeah. osprey and omega part two yeah. mm-hmm. this coming week let's talk a little bit about some shows on the site uh tuesday night brain and davy the two men who never sleep they will be back at 10 15 eastern after gold rush as they will talk about um Carmelo Hayes. What 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 forty eight hour period is this man going to uh, enjoy as he uh, takes on Baron Corbin tomorrow night? I mean, just a star making performance tonight on Raw. We'll see how that's followed up. They will be discussing all uh, NXT related news and notes, and they also have their own review of Forbidden Door uh, up. And they are off to Hamilton this Wednesday because they're oh. real fans, not like us. Way we're, they, they, they are, we're, I'm dapping. I'm not. I'm not going out to Hamilton this week. The, Sorry. I mean, you know, they're not that much younger than we are. I I, I don't think. And but it seems like they have unlimited energy <laughs> these guys i saw it with my own eyes you know the the pre-event they were like the life of the party they went to the show and screamed their heads off then they come back and just scream scream their heads off some more through renditions of judas share for some reason you know that's how they like to end their karaoke nights by singing shares um believe um that's like joey singing angel at the end i mean you can't end a concert without the signature <laughs> song that it is their signature song yeah and now this weekend or this wednesday they're going to hamilton so all right by the way a quick plug for those guys go to the to the poison rana feed if you want to hear their account of the forbidden poor as well as forbidden door they recorded a quick show um this afternoon as well yes which i just mentioned two minutes ago but way is not even listening i'm sorry at this point (laughs) um do check it out both of us endorse this uh review from Braden and davy i'm going to be hanging out with them this week we're going to uh demand lucha later this week all right thursday night El Hijo Del Vikingo will be in town. Sounds awesome, man. Also this week on Wednesday, it's our doubleheader night. We will have Rewind to Dynamite with the live live show in Hamilton taking place uh, that we will be watching from home. So we will have a review of Dynamite followed by the double shot for members at the Post Wrestling Cafe chatting about the Junkyard Dog episode of Dark Side of the Ring that airs this coming week. And all throughout this season of Dark Side of the Ring, we will be going live for cafe members on Wednesday nights after the Dynamite review. So four shows per week on the cafe uh, over the next month. And that continues Thursday with the continuation of Secret Invasion. And this will be WH Park and Rich Fan, correct? Correct. Yeah, I'm not sure if they have a guest or not, but you will at least be guaranteed to get those two. It, it uh, I'm, I'm told episode two is really strong, so I'm looking forward to it myself. On Thursday as well, Brandon Thurston and I are going to be joined by Mike Straw, who is a, a journalist with a journalist with Insider Gaming, and he's going to be discussing the release of AEW Fight Forever. This is the big release of this video game that has been talked about. What would you say? Years by now? This this since like the beginning, I feel, of AEW. Yeah. This has been a long-term project for the company. It finally gets released later this Thursday. So we'll talk to Mike about sort of just 
um, the importance of this game to AEW and sort of the early reaction that those have on Thursday when this game is released. And Brandon and I will also be going over um, maybe some of our uh, our live notes from the press conference this past week when we were at uh, the Forbidden Door press conference and whatever other news and notes are going on, including week two uh, of the collision number, which is going to be very interesting to see how well week two followed the debut of the show as well so that's thursday and then for patrons friday night way and i are here for rewind to smackdown saturday it's a free show after money in the bank and way and i will be going live at a unique time to be determined after money in the bank so do you want to throw it a, a set time do we want to aim for a certain time um well, hard to know how long this this show is going to go. What do you anticipate? A three hour show, roughly? Yes. Okay, so we can roughly say a, a, a roughly unique time of six oh five p.m. Eastern. Okay, if that changes, we will let you know. But uh, that that'll be our tentative. Six oh five on a Saturday. Perfect. Oh, who who could uh, could that 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 could work out really well? We could get people in and out before a collision, and then uh, sometime this weekend, you will have Kate from Montreal and John Ceno, uh, the new. The new, the brand new tag team here at Post Wrestling with Collision Course and uh, a packed, packed week. So postwrestlingcafe.com and video.postwrestling.com. That is how you can support Post Wrestling. $6 a month gets you access to all those four bonus shows each and every week, as well as access to all of our archives, Rewind Aways, which go back to the very beginning in 2017, MCU later, and we will have... I believe in the uh, coming days or so, we will have a, a bonus episode. Is this correct way? What is? I think is tomorrow is when we might release a recording of uh, our Q and A from the Forbidden Door, and uh, you know this is a very raw recording. You know it'll feel like you're just right there in the in attendance. So um, that's this code. one's for the hardcores. <laughs> that's code for saying the audio quality is not the best, but uh, it's it's listenable. You know at least to me. So well, all patrons will get that in the Post Wrestling Cafe feed sometime tomorrow. Um, also wanted to make a note. WrestleNomics moves over to the WrestleNomics Patreon starting in July. So uh, Brandon, Chris, and Jesse, their awesome show that we've been pri- privileged to have on our feed for the better part of uh, the past year uh, will now be moving over to, to the WrestleNomics Patreon. But once a month, they will be giving their shows away for free, and that includes next week. So if you want to keep up with WrestleNomics, subscribe to the WrestleNomics feed where, where you will continue to get that show once a month but of course subscribe to wrestlenomics on patreon to get the show every single week yes and uh, pollock and thurston will continue as a weekly show on both the wrestlenomics and post wrestling uh feeds so do uh follow all of the great work at wrestlenomics only thing uh here is a couple uh ratings notes uh before we get into raw so smackdown on friday night did two million three hundred and fifty four thousand viewers it dominated programming on friday night and a 0.61 in the demo. So this was down from the week prior that was all built around the Jay Uso decision, which was a very big number for them. Um, but anytime SmackDown is topping a, a 0.6, it's, I would consider it a, a good number. And this, this was number one on television by a wide margin. So um, very good there. They were down 3% in viewers um, and down from a 0.67 the week before fourth week in a row that they've topped a 0.6 in the demo in Canada. They did their most viewers since May the 5th with 163,300 viewers and up 32% this week in the 25 to 54 demo 
Rampage on Friday did 391,000 viewers and a 0.11, down 8% and down from a 0.13 in the demo last week. However, they were 11th for the night on cable, which is more so a sign of where uh, cable numbers were on Friday night. This wasn't a big number for Rampage, but their ranking was among their better uh, or their higher placements of the year. So they were second in their time slot behind on patrol live and we're neck and neck with the pfl card on espn that they just edged out in viewers and were almost the same in in the demo both did a 0.11 but i believe rampage did slightly more but very small amount as well and collision while we don't have the u.s number at least in canada this was the show that aired live on tsn5 because it aired in toronto and they did seventy nine thousand viewers and forty thousand four hundred in the 25 to 54 demo. So what does that mean? It was ninth for the night in viewers among sports programs, which included the, uh, the Jays game and a CFL game. And they were fourth for the night in the demo among sports. So this was well behind raw SmackDown and even quite a bit below uh, dynamite, but it did beat out NXT. So if you're looking sort of for a, a placement of where collision fit among the other programs in Canada, it would have been, uh, fourth out of the five mainstays on Sportsnet 360 and TSN. I don't believe it's um, the Hamilton show is listed for broadcast this week on TSN. So unless we get some update, probably will be TSN plus. But given it's a Canadian show, I guess um, we'll try and find out for sure because they do seem to lean towards these uh, Canadian shows sometimes getting. I believe actually, as strange as it as it is, I think Rampage is listed on TSN this Friday night, which almost never happens. So, I mean, it's, it's very hard to draw anything from these numbers because like a collision, I don't even know how many people were aware of this. Obviously the midnight airing did nothing the week before, and this number did okay, but it's, it's so irregular. And I guess we're just trying to figure out if collision is going to have any kind of consistency. And if these numbers do well, is this kind of a trial period for TSN because they have, have not appeared to commit to this beyond just these uh, the show in Toronto in terms of airing on the network. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Just try and find it uh, as best you can. If you are a Canadian viewer and gold rush on Tuesday night, it will have Carmelo Hayes and Corbin for the NXT title. Tiffany Stratton, Thea Hale for the women's title. Gallus against Idris Anofe and Malik Blade for the NXT tag titles. Nathan Frazier defending the Heritage Cup against Dragon Lee, which could be the big match of the show. And Gigi Dolan against Kiana James. So they are coming off a spectacular number last week. I don't know if this one is going to uh, be able to replicate last week, but certainly I was optimistic about the, oh, they've got Carmelo Hayes on the show tonight. This is a smart promotion, but... Was it an effective promotion? Stay tuned for our review. And then Dynamite on Hamilton. We only have two matches announced thus far with Britt Baker against Ruby Soho in the Owen tournament and the Painmaker, the water bottle uh, hitter, Chris Jericho, teaming with Sammy Mm -hmm. Guevara against Sting and Darby Allin in a tornado tag in Hamilton. The Painmaker Mm -hmm. comes to Hamilton. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. No baseball teams in Hamilton, so... That's that's where Jericho comes in. He was doing a bit of batting practice at the uh, press conference, and that is maybe he'll is, be ready. That is accurate. So that is what is coming up over the next uh, couple of nights. We go over to Raw from the End Market Arena in Savannah, Georgia. They did not have a whole lot announced for this show. Going into, like, this afternoon, they had announced Ronda Rousey and Raquel Rodriguez, and then several segments that were 
we had the women's summit that we did get. And then we had a update on Seth Rollins condition, which I guess we technically got. Um, and then, uh, beyond that, um, Cody and uh, Dominic at some point when I looked was, announced, that's right. But, Cody and Dominic, yeah. were going to have a segment together, which again, all of these did happen, but there was plenty on this show that was just not announced going in. So this felt like a raw where it was just tune in and you'd find out what you would, you would be getting throughout the night. As has been consistent with reports over the past week that Vince has been very hands-on with last-minute changes to these shows. Yes. As evidenced by Friday, where three of the matches announced did not take place. Yeah. I I would love for this guy to be hands-on like a week before. That would oh, be great, wouldn't it? I think this has really shown, like, I mean, our whole lifetime of, I guess, watching wrestling has shown Vince to be really quite the procrastinator. Probably the guy to leave his homework to the very last minute, maybe even past deadline, and just, like, quickly kind of scribbles you know, his, his best effort and just, you know, just hands it in. Maybe um, he maybe forgot it was Friday last week. Maybe he just thought it was Thursday and he was like, oh, oh, it's Friday. Yeah. I just love this. Like, you know, like he has, he has people on his staff that are working their asses off trying to keep up with these shows, like building long-term storylines. And Vince is just like waiting and waiting and waiting till the very last minute to even look at the damn thing look at look at the damn script before he makes his edits and changes maybe you know maybe he works best on a sunday night or sunday morning or monday morning i should say probably watching forbidden door last night and then said you know what yeah. what do we need on this show we need uh we need finn balor and carmelo hayes that's what we're gonna do dominic and rhea ripley are in the ring heavy booze they won't allow dominic to welcome us to raw how's this show supposed to start unless someone welcomes us to the show so rhea calls cody a wannabe and a loser so co- cody comes out we're in georgia so thunderous reaction for cody and he welcomes us to monday night raw so now the show can begin you're welcome to the program you need somebody to welcome the show yeah rhea has to speak for dominic and then cody quotes the cat in the hat why because dominic is a child and a scared little boy and he asks why Dominic is running. And he mentions how he's facing Damian Priest tonight for the first time ever. What a first time ever match. Cody and Damian Priest. Because mm-hmm. qualifies. First time ever. And he offers Dominic a free shot on him. So Dominic decides to come back, but then backs off. So Cody says, I want you to show me something on Saturday. Prove that you're half the man of your father. Or if you're just mommy's little boy. Hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it was a pretty strong segment that made good use of, you know, the Dominic Mysterio reactions. I love that he's starting to use Rhea as sort of like his vessel to speak because the audience isn't letting him speak. Um, Cody came out here and cut a pretty good babyface promo and did pretty much all the necessary talking he needed to for this go home segment. Um, it's it, This is a good feud for a Cody detour, you know, uh, ahead of the Brock program, which is in itself a detour from the Roman Reigns program. So for a detour of a detour, I think you could do worse than the types of crowd reactions that they've been getting for this Dominic Cody program. The side roads. Yes, that's right. It's like Shinsuke- getting lost. It's like, you know, missing an exit when you're on your way to um, Toronto. How do you miss an exit? Much less I don't know. multiples. Yeah. Shinsuke Nakamura against Ricochet. I thought this was a really good match that these two had. And not just Ricochet looking spectacular. Like, I thought Nakamura really hustled in this as well. Bronson Reed is seated ringside. And this leads to Ricochet and Nakamura attacking him on the floor. And then Reed is ejected. 
So then they just are left alone. There's a standing shooting star by Ricochet and a Cabrada landing on the knees. And Ricochet ducks the Kinshasa, hits the recoil for a two count. And then it's Nakamura with a running knee in the corner. And we get this incredible sequence of kicks by Ricochet, including kicking off the back of Nakamura as Patrick's asking us if this is the Matrix. He hits a running slice bread and then a shooting star off the top and wins in 10 minutes and 44 seconds. I thought this was a really great opening match um, for Raw. Yeah, seriously. I mean, these guys have been involved in a feud right now with Bronson Reed that I haven't been exactly, um, you know, I haven't been completely captivated by, namely because I think it's so um, strange that they're doing so much with Bronson Reed without him actually being involved in the Money in the Bank match at all. In fact, I feel like it's really taken Ricochet and Nakamura's... um, it's taken their focus away so much from the money in the bank that they don't even feel like they're competitors. Like they don't feel like they're, they have any chance of winning basically. Um, But I thought tonight was really strong in ring ricochet that sequence at the end where he just did the whole, like uh, almost like a, like what, what Osprey did, you know, last night, like bouncing off of his opponent into the great dodges of, of Nakamura's kicks into the slice bread was just absolutely awesome. This was the type of match that kind of reminded you that, Despite, you know, the dude's shortcomings on the mic, despite maybe Nakamura's inability to cut like, you know, incredible long promos. If you let them wrestle like this every single week, they will get over. They will get an audience and you don't really need a whole lot else, in my opinion. So you just let Ricochet go out there and wrestle every week. I I mean, I, I think you could try that. You know, um, this was incredibly impressive. You know, it was the type of buzzworthy wrestling that I think will be enough to just get these guys over alone without having to cut lengthy promos or act backstage. This ladder match is going to be spectacular. The men's one and Ricochet should have a very prominent role in in that match. Like they've almost guaranteed him and Logan Paul have to do something uh, memorable to top their Royal Rumble spot. And right. You know, someone threw out one of the ideas about like a Ricochet Logan Paul match at SummerSlam. I'm certainly warm to that idea. If you don't have, um, you know, they, they've certainly just the fact they're referencing it. I I feel it would be it, it's at least viable. But I think the the question is always is Ricochet viewed in that light that he would be of that stature? Well, no. Yeah, it's kind of weird in that. Like, I would love to see that match. I think you know, if Logan Paul was a TV was a guy who did TV matches. It would be a good match for TV, but it's weird. It's it's in this weird space where Logan Paul is only active on pay-per-views and in certain pay-per-views and Ricochet is not exactly big enough to justify a singles pay-per-view match against somebody of the stature of a Logan Paul. So that's the type of match that I don't know if we'll ever really get beyond, you know, these sort of interactions in this ladder match. Matt Riddle issued a challenge to Gunther for the IC title this Saturday at Money in the Bank. And he says his ankle is fine after last week's attack. So Kaiser appears uh, insulting his skills. So then Riddle attacks him and uh, Gunther attacks him from behind, accepts the challenge and stomps the left ankle of Riddle, which is wrapped up. So the ankle couldn't have been fine if he has it wrapped up. I mean, wouldn't that uh, not make it fine? It's a target for Gunther. He knew exactly where to attack him. So he's coming into this match with a bad ankle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Adam Pierce meets with Dominic and Ripley and Dominic wants a match after being embarrassed by Cody and Pierce said, well, that's great because Vince tore up multiple segments and we're trying to fill you just name your match. And Dominic said, I'll get back to you. Uh, I'm going to pick someone big and strong. And Pierce is just like, cool. Like just name whoever and you can have it. There was no like uh, approval process here. 
Dominic got to pick his like lame duck opponent and Pierce just signed off on it. So this well, was very easy for Dominic to get what he wanted. I mean, what, what is what do you think is the typical sort of um, checklist, you know, for for what Pierce would or would not approve? The guy tends to just if you happen if two random people happen to be in the ring, it's likely that they'll have a match. Quarter hour performances. I'm sure he would lean on that. Like what is the past performances of an Akira Tozawa? We, we cannot put this out on television. Okay. But maybe he thought differently. Then we had a buy the numbers video for Money in the Bank. I learned so much about Money in the Bank in this video, courtesy of Jackie Redmond. We had uh, so 78% of the male winners have cashed in. As they have said multiple times, 100% of the women have cashed in, have done it successfully. Three men have cashed in twice successfully, including The Miz and Edge. Mm-hmm. And they did not include Phil. Oh, yes. And then the best stat of the entire video, over 380 ladders have been used to one's advantage. Now, this screams some poor sap was tasked with counting these. (laughs) And at some point by money in the bank match number 50, he was just like, I I'm just writing over 380 because it's in the ballpark. You never say if you have the exact number, you're not saying over 380. Yeah. Well, I think the only um, challenge that would have possibly, you know, um, called out bullshit on that stat would be John Pollock actually doing the work and trying to somehow no, come up with I, the, the number. Not and even if I you, would go that far. And yeah, exactly. So if, even if you weren't able to do it, then I don't think anybody would call them out on this being false. Yes. I would think like this editor would also think like, who would call me on this? Mm-hmm. A wrestling fan would like, there would be somebody out there that would. And five people have cashed in on the same night. They won it and won at WrestleMania in reference to Seth Rollins. So these are always uh, fun videos when they do them for the rumble. So um, yeah. there, there you have it. We Will we reach the 400 ladder mark this Saturday? I would think it's hmm. within reach. Pardon the pun. Mm, well, you have you have two ladder matches, of course. I mean, are we talking about reused ladders throughout a night? They said over 380 ladders have been used to one's advantage. So this are isn't they, even counting the ladders that have been just used to someone's disadvantage in the match. Are we recounting ladders? How do we know they're not like, you know, safekeeping ladders that have already been used once? I don't know. Does but, that um, stat impress you? Um, <laughs> like if sure. I told you how many pucks were used in this hockey game <laughs> and I told you 35. No, no, no. no. How many, what? How many 35 pucks were used throughout this three yeah. period game? Wow. How, how many balls have been used in the history of Major League Baseball? <laughs> Millions. You don't say. I got to tune into this game. Wow. Do you know how many balls? Do you know how many balls have been used in the history of baseball? Have you ever thought of that for a second? Wow. It's like we need a stat to really we need something in the hundreds. This come up with something. All about big numbers, no matter yeah. what, however you can get there. So yeah. How many ropes were used in the rings for these ladder matches to surround the ring? That would probably be easier to calculate than the number probably. of ladders. Probably. Ronda Rousey versus Raquel Rodriguez. So Shayna Baszler and Liv Morgan are in the respective corners. And they have announced a tag title match for Money in the Bank. Guillotine by Rousey and then Raquel vertical suplexes her way out. And 
Then uh, Rousey uses her Suzuki armbar in the ropes. Then the Piper's pit gets stopped. And Rousey goes to the ankle lock. Raquel breaks free. And then Raquel blocks an armbar with a slam. And Baszler pulls Rousey out of the way from Raquel's spinning elbow out of the corner. So Liv goes after Baszler. And Rousey does her step-up armbar attempt, but then rolls to a cradle. Two minutes and 20 seconds, which it's very hard to do a match in two minutes. Uh, I thought that these two, like this was just a sprint for two minutes and they had a very good match on TV months ago. And while this was nothing you're going to really write home about, um, I thought for the time they had, they they did what they could. But this one could have st- stood to have had a bit more time to it, you would think. But I agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I did feel like it was a little bit rushed in, in that like it just felt they like were bam- very rushed, but yeah, bang, bang, not bang. sloppy by rushing it either. Well, yeah, I, I, and I think a lot of that is because of Ronda's like beautiful submission entry technique. Like that to me is is one of the best parts of about her professional wrestling game, which she's been able to apply from you know her judo background. Um, just they all look great, and it's completely unique to her because not many other people you know in professional wrestling can pull off that sort of a great looking flying submission. But um, maybe it was missing a bit more, like you know, interactive interactivity with the crowd to really feel fleshed out but you know given the time it's hardly something you can blame them for i felt the booking of this was not that great you know for challengers that are about to go for the tag team championships i understand ronda rousey you know especially in a singles match capacity nobody beats her and i'm fine with that but i almost feel like this needed a bit more of a screwy finish or ronda needed to cheat a little bit more um in the match Sure. Yeah. But just something to give, you know, the, the, the challengers a little bit of momentum going into this. I mean, I imagine maybe Friday they'll do something else as, as well, because aren't they SmackDown people? Aren't, aren't Raquel and Liv SmackDown wrestlers? I'll take your word for it. Like, didn't Liv come back on SmackDown? I think so. Yeah. Well, OK, whatever. Call pass. I, I don't believe in separate talent for the, these shows. I'm not. Mm. I'm not going to rack my brain over which which brand these people are supposed to be exclusive to. There was a really nice video on Rollins and Balor, very much kind of like the the NXT style that Balor was doing in his last run, where here he is just um, on his own, reflecting on the SummerSlam match and stating how with one arm he still beat Rollins, but then 22 hours later was forced to relinquish. And what he holds against Rollins is the fact that as soon as he relinquished the title, out came Rollins laughing, and they had the footage of it as well. It says, I didn't get bitter, you made me bitter. And he is sick of the people worshiping him, singing his song, and he's going to take from Rollins what he took from Balor, and this time both his arms will be raised after winning. So a very good video package. And overall, I think this has been a very good build for what on paper – Feels like a routine title defense for Seth Rollins, but I think Balor has certainly upped his game in this four-week build that they've had for the title program. They booked him really well, you know, by making him a, a lot more aggressive. I think the storytelling has been strong too, you know, doing like great callbacks to to that that initial uh, match these two had, and Rollins at least, you know, trying to pull the old Finn Balor out. I love this video. I thought it first of all looked really good. Cam- Balor's camera shots looked really good. Production on it overall was strong, and I thought the content of Balor's words, calling back to that incident with Rollins coming out and laughing at him was great justification for his recent actions and it was like yeah f this guy well totally yeah it's a lot easier to buy into guys motivations for you know being an asshole when you can see video evidence of the past of the other person being an asshole so it did a good job heating up the feud and i thought it would do a good job of setting up rollins retort to to you know basically him being an asshole in the past 
unfortunately, uh, we'll talk about it with, in the Rollins segment later. We didn't really get it. <laughs> Rollins begins the second hour. The audience is singing, and he notes that Carmelo Hayes is here in the crowd. There's an NXT chant, and he thanks Carmelo for having his back last week on NXT and plugs the match with Baron Corbin for Tuesday, which was all well and good. I thought, cool, they're promoting this match on Raw. And Balor attacks Rollins yet again. Or Sorry, he brings up how Balor attacked him on Raw and NXT, but I'm still standing. And he challenges Balor to come finish the job, stating that he won't be 100% at Money in the Bank, but he says, your best version is not as good as my best version. So then Balor attacks him, and they fight ringside, and Rollins is sent into the stairs, ribs first, and then into the desk with the ribs. And as Balor grabs a chair, Hayes pulls it away from the front row, allowing Rollins to send Balor into the timekeeper's area. And Rollins somehow got uh, got cut on the, uh, on the, on the face here uh, in the midst of all of this. Yeah, yeah. Um, physicality was cool. The way they, you know, continue to maybe tie Carmelo Hayes into Seth, with Seth Rollins, you know, stemming back from NXT, I think is a really great way of, of introducing Carmelo Hayes. I was disappointed that Rollins didn't more directly address, you know, the heel actions that he very clearly displayed in the Balor video. Why did he come out and laugh at Finn Balor at the time? I mean, yes, the answer is that he was a heel at the time, but I think in the context of story, the good guy needs to take accountability for poor actions of the past that are brought up or at the very least acknowledge them. And Rollins basically just, you know, didn't even acknowledge that it happened. So I didn't think the two segments between Balor and Rollins felt all that cohesive. And in effect, it kind of hurt Rollins as a baby face. Well, there would be more to come with Carmelo Hayes on the show. Saxton is with Tommaso Ciampa, who spent nine months rehabbing from hip surgery. And guess how many times the Miz reached out to him? Zero. And people warned Miz or warned Champa that Miz was a user, and this injury was a blessing in disguise. Left on his own for 275 days to be in his thoughts and figuring out who his friends were, and asked himself, "Why am I wearing neon green and hanging out with the Miz?" So he's going to create his own opportunities, and that was that. Hayes and Balor is announced for later tonight, so this would be Carmelo Hayes' first match on Raw itself. Champa and Miz never get started as the Miz jumps Champa from behind. And like all major angles that kick off generational feuds and our blood programs, the chant of tiny balls really gets this off to a heated beginning as uh, Champa is laying on the ground and the crowd. I, I think this is what went when Oli trapped Dusty in the cage and turned on him. I think they were chanting tiny balls as well. I think we all remember Mitsuharu Masawa chanting tiny balls at uh, Kawada. That was uh, that was 90s. the genesis of the program. Yeah. So he then suplexes Champa into the barricade and lays him out with a skull crushing finale, leaves him laying. So Champa and Miz continues. Yeah, I'm a little surprised. I thought last week was just like, hey, like, oh, let's tie this loose end with, with Champa and the Miz, and then let's move Champa on from the Miz and forget that association ever happened. Because I think part of the danger of spending too much time with the Miz is that you get dragged down to the Miz's level, which is about as kind of bottom rung as you can get at this point. Um, but I liked the intensity of the Miz in this segment. I thought the aggression was really good in the beatdown. And, you know, if this is a serious tone that they're taking, tiny balls chant aside, um, it could potentially... He's also look- wearing a shirt that reads, my balls are massive, so I cannot take any <laughs> serious version of well, the Miz that they are alluding to. Well, we shall see. But, um, you know, I guess they're looking for a bit more of a of a few for Chompa before connecting him to Gargano or, or maybe Gargano comes in at some point and just helps him. 
This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Imperium is backstage and Zayn and Owens appear. They argue about interruptions and how rude they are. And Owens asks why they are here. And he has to pretend that he cares about the attack on Riddle from earlier tonight. And it leads to Zayn challenging Gunther for a match tonight. So the singles match will happen later. Dominic Mysterio, his opponent is Akira Tozawa. Tozawa gets a bit of offense in, including that Tope Suicida. And Rhea distracts him on the edge, leads to him getting crotched on the turnbuckle. And Dominic wins with a frog splash in a minute 50. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, when you have a role like this where like a guy comes out, a heel comes out and says, I'm going to have a, you know, great big challenge against somebody. And the guy who comes out is, you know, a joke, obviously. Um, and when you have to play that joke, man, I, I said the Miz was the bottom of rung of this ladder. I mean, you don't really get lower than Akira Tozawa, unfortunately. Um, I would almost say like he's like sort of like the Gilberg um, of modern day WWE and it's kind of sad to see for somebody so incredibly talented you know he's definitely just in the happy to be here camp you know post ninja Akira Tozawa as well so at least he's he's making s- small advancements oh, in his WWE run he, he's, uh, got, he's got tights he's got yeah, gear so the Viking Raiders did a video they're coming for Alpha Academy beware the women's summit for Money in the Bank, Trish, Zoe Stark, Becky Lynch, Bailey, Io Sky, and Zelina Vega are all in the ring to trash talk before Saturday. Bailey notes she's the only one to win this match in the past. I have the best chance to win and gets a look from Io, and Bailey clarifies, or Io, one of us. Vega then takes her shots at everybody here and is doing this as she pulls out her chancla. You never go to a women's summit without a, a chonkle in your back pocket to have ready in case things get violent. So then Trish calls everyone in the ring little girls, and the crowd is chanting for Becky. Trish is here to save the division. Winning is what I do, and asks Becky if she will be man enough to say thank you, Trish, and that's it. It's it's all hands. Everyone goes at it. Becky tosses Trish and Stark out. Sky and Bailey stomp Becky and Vega. Uh, Vega comes in with a chancla for the, the assist. And then Lynch and Sky remain. Sky hits a acai moonsault to the floor. So Becky is alone in the ring. And like you do when you're left alone with a ladder, you climb up, you kiss the briefcase, and you unhook it. So Becky is the uh, the visual winner of the Women's Summit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which means she's probably unlikely to win the actual thing. Is that right? It doesn't this jinx you, basically? You climb the ladder and grab it before the actual match? Um, it, traditionally, that, that that's how things could lead. But maybe that's the swerve of the swerve. 
Oh, it could be. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought coming out of the segment, you know, my big takeaway was that Trish's heel voice. It, it sounds really good. You know, I just remember her when she just kind of started this run, run a, a few months ago. And in a very short amount of time, I think the confidence has just grown so much. I would say it, it's fully returned to maybe, you know, the height of her heel voice back when she had her initial run. Her promo sounds very smooth. And I think her attitude and body language feel very natural as well. So she's done a great job of getting back into heel shape. Um, I I think the the thing holding this match together is the Becky Trish feud. It doesn't I don't sense much interest in really any of the other competitors, with the exception of EO Sky. Um, even though the build has really not been focused on EO at all, she's that type of dark horse, you know, like um I guess challenger that I think London especially will really lift up the moment moment they start, you know, teasing her climbing. So I I I feel like I'm still going with EO as my pick. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll update and uh, the the card at the at the end of the review here and uh, the latest uh, match announcements. Kathy Kelly interviewed Carmelo Hayes, and worth noting, no Trick Williams by his side on this show, which I thought was a mistake not to have Trick by his side. Like yeah. that's part of the Car- Carmelo Hayes package, mm-hmm. and made him look a- small. Honestly, like even though Trish, uh, Trick is a bigger person, I think like when you look at Carmelo with a guy as big as, as Trick, it kind of makes the whole package look bigger and makes it makes the both of them look like a bigger threat to just, you know, any average competitor. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the Carmelo K- Hayes character, even since he's turned babyface, he's always maintained like his voice. And here is this guy who's like got the chip on his shoulder. He's ultra confident. And here in this promo, it's I was invited here by Seth Rollins and I aspire to be like him mm-hmm. and I'm going to take care of his problem. Like this is the furthest thing from what the Carmelo Hayes character would ever say. And I just felt this before the match outcome. It just made him look so it looked made him feel like Seth Rollins little buddy that had yeah. shown up on Raw and did not feel like your NXT champion who is not just this happy to be here baby face that he was introduced to a large audience as on this show that was my first issue i had with carmelo hayes on this it it almost makes you suspect whether or not different people were writing his promos tonight than what are you saying what are you saying yeah i don't know becky runs into rhea ripley and rhea warns her about whether she wins the ladder match about cashing in because if you do it will be the last thing that you ever do Becky says, when I was champion, I main evented in all of these towns, whereas you are a main event side piece. The title needs me more than I need the title. And Becky says she wants to win the briefcase in order to make Rhea squirm. So probably, you know, planting something for down the road, not necessarily that she has to win the briefcase. But with Rhea, um, this is certainly a destination you would think that, um, you Mm -hmm. know, it. To me, post-Trish program, um, you know, th- this could be way down down the line, but something yeah. that they're at least foreshadowing. Could be as late as Mania, could be as early as SummerSlam, you know. But, you know, having uh, Becky directly tied to the title chase scene via Money in the Bank, it was great justification to give us this scene so that it at least plants a seed for the audience in the future to want to see this program. But, yeah, could be as early as SummerSlam, could be as late as months from now. What could be bigger than Payback? Um, big Labor Day weekend show. You know what? I'm trying to think. Uh, nothing. No. Gunther against Sami Zayn. Kaiser and Owens are ringside. Owens is on commentary, and then Giovanni Vinci comes out on crutches, and 
Zane is off the ropes and gets caught into a released German suplex. They go through a break and Zane takes this huge chop on the buckle and Zane comes back with strikes and a sunset bomb. He tries for the blue thunder bomb, but it's countered to a rear naked choke. Zane fights to his feet and hits the blue thunder bomb to escape the choke. Zane then climbs and leaps off the top and is caught with a chop in midair and then uh, gets dropped with a knee and Gunther hits a splash that gets a two count and Kaiser gets on the apron is attacked by Owens and Gunther kicks Owens that leads to a topic on hero by Zane onto Gunther and then with Kaiser distracting Vinci nails Zane with the crutch and thus uh, a great metaphor here a crutch uh, that they used for this finish with the distraction and leads to a power bomb by Gunther in 1222 pinning Sami Zayn mm-hmm. a, a really good match with Unfortunately, a very predictable finish. And, you know, on a TV show, like, it, it's not a big deal. But this is exactly the type of, like, conditioning that made, like, the Don Callis moments last night so good. It's because, like, you know, oh, a guy, like, heel comes out. You know, of course, he's going to help, you know, uh, uh, the the guy win. Like, you know, the match is not going to win until Callis hands in the screwdriver. And when he kicked out from the screwdriver thing, like, that's what made that moment so big. Is because throughout... Gunther nailing guys with screwdrivers would be awesome. Oh, that would great. be just... But, you know, that moment works so well because we see these type of distraction finishes like in this match, you know, like for for decades, almost all the time. So it was a very predictable finish. But, of course, the in-ring chemistry between these two was fantastic. Gunther's chops felt extra heavy on a guy who, you know, is more on the thinner side, like a Sami Zayn. And it set up this great underdog performance for, from Sami against perhaps, you know, the big the, the best big man in the business right now. So really good match that you hope to see them run back on a bigger platform. You would think that this should put um, them in line for at least a tag title shot by pinning the champions. Like, I just, I wouldn't want to beat Zayn or Owens unless there's a purpose to it. I don't know. With Gunther, like, being an IC champion, like, is that a direction they would even tease? Well, I I, I would then question, like, booking this match to to beat one of your ta- tag champions. I mean, it kind of just makes the tag titles look, like, totally, free, like, of no consequence if you pin the champion and then have no... Uh, no desire to even go after them. Well, that's a question I would have for a lot of the, like, what about the NXT champion? <laughs> well, well would you we clearly have set up the next NXT title challenger in the match to come. Oh, of yeah, course. sure. Owens attacks Gunther and then Kaiser gets stomped. Riddle hobbles his way out, attacking Vinci and grabs the crutch to uh, fight off everyone. And it ends with a stunner to Kaiser as they clear the ring for the pop. So that is how. The baby faces ended. So Riddle was uh he was fine with the original crutch shot and leading to the finish. But once they continued after the match, then he was like, Oh Christ, I better get out there on my one leg to try and make a save. And how bad of a friend is Kevin Owens and or, or, or Sami Zayn for that matter? I feel like you know, Riddle has been beaten up like week after week. They left no him help. last week. They he got attacked and, and this just week as back. well. I mean, this week, granted, was a bit more of a surprise, but it's hardly like they hardly showed any real remorse, I would say. Yet Riddle, you know, friend that he is, comes out, gives them great movie recommendations. You know, it's really a one-sided friendship. That's the segment I want is a guy's like Riddle's getting beaten up and we cut to the back and Zane is talking to Kevin. He's like, should we do a run-in and save? I don't think this time. I don't think so. Yeah. Well, why is that, Kevin? And we actually get the dialogue of the thought process of why why we should not do it this time and let him just die. Right. Yeah, sure. 
There was a video on Carmelo Hayes, and then the Alpha Academy is training. Maxine notes how she has uh, destroyed Valhalla each time they've interacted, thanks to the coaching she's receiving. And they're ready whenever the Viking Raiders are. So this is the most long-term story we have ever seen the Viking Raiders and Alpha Academy involved in. Well, yeah, primarily Maxine versus um, Valhalla. Valhalla, yeah. Which you don't, you hold off. That's a payback match. Uh, You know, put it in Wembley. Give it to the give it to AEW. Pittsburgh gets that one. Sure. Kathy Kelly is with Natalia, who notes how she signed up for this. And Rhea's at the top of the mountain, and the biggest battle is inside of her head. And the fear of not losing is not as great as the fear of giving up. And she's been shaken, but she is still standing and wants to face Rhea again next Monday. And no one can erase what she's done in this company. So she said she told Rhea to bring her title. Okay. Um, so now this is, of course, does we have a match on on sa- no. sa- Saturday? Okay. No. So, but she so did say she... next week. So you're expecting this to be on Monday as opposed to the pay-per-view. So was Natalia asking for a championship match here after going on a several, like. No, she said, bring your title. Like just, you know, for, to remind oh, just... me of that you're the champion to have oh, okay. in the corner. Didn't necessarily say a title match. Yeah. Cause I think. But even... she doesn't deserve a title match if that's what happens next week. I mean, that'd be ridiculous, wouldn't it? Uh, of course it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I mean, the fact that she even thought to like, I thought she was asking for a championship match. And I, I don't think it's out of the question that they promote next week as a championship match between Rhea Ripley and the person who's been losing every single match in the storyline in Natalia. So I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I've been waiting for weeks now for this Natalia transformation, whatever she's kind of got in the works. And it it's looking like they're going to make us at least wait another week for it. Um, I think there's some promise in hearing her talk about like her self-confidence issues. I, I think that it, that would be interesting, but I don't think this company has ever shown the nuance to be able to pull off like that sort of storyline, at least not with mm, the mid card. Finn Balor, Carmelo Hayes. Um, Hayes hit the fadeaway onto Balor. Um, they had, they, they, the actual match itself was like, they had a good match here. Hayes comes off the middle rope with a flying clothesline and an inside out lariat by Balor. And, Hayes leaps off the rope, coming down with a DDT, and then Balor lands this brutal shotgun dropkick that just rocks Hayes into the corner. And he goes down, and Balor climbs up, and he hits the coup de grace. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, they're going to beat this guy. And they beat him clean, 928. Finn Balor beats him. This was one where I was already thinking ahead that, okay, they're obviously not beating either of these guys given their matches coming up this week. So we're going to mm-hmm. get just some random. You'll get Corbin, you, you know, or, or Rollins. That's what I assumed. Or I'll be like, yeah. why did we even book this match when we don't have a finish? Well, I was wrong. They had a finish in mind and they just beat Carmelo Hayes. And someone's going to argue, look how many people got to see Carmelo Hayes. Yes. Look how many people got to see Carmelo Hayes potentially for the first time. And boy, were they just drawn into, uh, man, I got to see this guy tomorrow night. Don't I against Baron Corbin? No, I hated this. I hated, I hated, hated having the champion of a brand that you're trying to lift up to feel somewhat equal to the other two losing to a non-champion to a guy who, yeah, Finn Balor, like obviously needs the win, but you didn't have to book this match. Yeah. Um, 
I, I, I think something like this. Carmelo could have just had a showcase, like beat yeah. Ziggler, beat uh, somebody. You could have him showcased or, on or this give, show. Give, give us the non-finish. Like this would have been one where I would have more than welcomed the non-finish because I thought the match was so good. And you were able to show Carmelo Hayes was at the level of somebody firmly established on the main roster, like a Finn Balor. Carmelo looked great here. You know, he's got a very fan-friendly style right now with a lot of springboards, unique sort of like smooth-looking offense that immediately impresses. But man, the booking firmly establishes NXT beneath the main roster. When you have a guy at the top of the food chain in NXT be able to just kind of lose pretty unceremoniously clean to, you know, granted, Finn Balor is kind of up there, but he's not that high up. You, you, you and they shouldn't be beating Finn Balor on this show either. For the, for well, the they record. shouldn't have booked this match, period, or at least with the clean finish. Yeah, I did not like this at all. Yeah, this it was just a callback to times that they did this in the past. I remember with um, Charlotte and Natalia. This was years ago, and Charlotte was doing a big takeover match. So the the Monday they bring her in Charlotte, no less, in North Carolina, and they beat her as the women's champion going into this takeover special. Well, even just going back to the ECW, you know, WWE interactions and and having Taz as the ECW champion lose to Triple H, um, that was you know maybe. Uh, just a bullshit way of i think you know diminishing um i guess a, a competitor but this was their own product that they've been trying to lift up with all this work i i i thought that was so counterproductive and it's, kind of, it's and it's been very successful these this yeah. last month like nxt is doing very well numbers wise and is coming off like one of their be- their biggest shows in years last week and granted you're not going to replicate that this week but uh this was certainly not trying to uh the persuade people otherwise that this was uh you know this is the star to watch quite frankly i think the best representation of carmelo hayes would have been him and trick on this show and just cutting an awesome promo together and you could have him linked with rollins like here's he's attached to the top guy um but well, yeah, give us a tag team match if they're such good friends or something, you know, like something where he could look good. I mean, did, did Nick Khan watch this? Did he approve this? He's been NXT's biggest cheerleader in recent weeks. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm sure he was looking at the uh, the, the two X decrease that this could result in the uh, oh. uh, among younger viewers. Yes, yeah, so, I'm sorry, but like booking decisions throughout the show and principally this one, but a lot of the others, man, really do make me question mm, who is in charge. Who's doing this? Who's who's behind all of these decisions? The the the, the question just looms. Hmm. Kathy Kelly is with Cody Rhodes and Pharaoh. He was there. The dog was there. Really? Didn't you see Pharaoh? I didn't notice. No, ah, Pharaoh was wow. here. And Cody is tired of talking about Dominic, and he will not have Judgment Day with him this Saturday. Was that made clear? Why wouldn't he have Judgment Day with him this? Saturday? I don't know. I don't think that's that's a stipulation or anything. Yeah, oh. like Priest is in well, the match, but Rhea, Rhea doesn't have anything. You would think she true. would be in his corner. Why wouldn't she? That's a good question. Okay. Know. He said, we're going to find out what Dominic has on Saturday. And the main event is Cody Rhodes and Damian Priest for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. Dream match. So the ROH alumni meeting here. Rhodes is fighting from underneath and then hits a gourd buster as Dominic and Rhea come down. And Dominic is hiding behind Rhea on the floor when Cody goes after them and Cody gets caught by a flatliner. Priest is in control and then Rhodes uh, lands a power slam, disaster kick, and the bionic elbow that gets a two count. Priest stops a crossroads and Cody then hits the pedigree, but Priest rolls out to the floor. And as Rhea gets onto the apron to distract, Dominic stops a Cody cutter and leads to Cody uh, getting tripped up and hit with the south of heaven, but he kicks out. 
Cody avoids the razor's edge, runs Priest into Dominic. Cody Cutter crossroads in 1328 as Cody goes into Money in the Bank with the victory. And then Dom gets in one final cheap shot, which has been all the lead up here is that he gets his like it's this is being built up like they would the way they used to where it would be the the heel manager that finally the babyface is going to get his hands on the manager at the mm-hmm. garden and it's dominic in the role of the manager on somebody on Saturday. who is so incapable of you know being actually competitive that they they get their upper hand by hiding behind somebody else yeah. yeah, although I I don't see this being your five minute affair. I th- I see them doing a match on mm. Saturday, but yeah, that's how the show ended. And I think Money in the Bank looks like a really great card on paper. But I I certainly had my issues with with some of the stuff on this show. Although there, there was some some good I, stuff on this as well between Gunther Zane, uh, Ricochet, and Nakamura. I like quite a bit as well. And I continue in- to enjoy the Rollins Balor build. I think they've done a very effective job of that. I think in ring, this was a really strong addition of Raw. You know, between Zayn and Gunther, Carmelo versus Balor, I thought was really good. Finish aside, you know, uh, Cody Priest, I thought was good. Nakamura, Ricochet. I even thought Ronda and Raquel was a pretty good quality. Man, and the for, fact that- for, for a two-minute match, I mean, I don't think you could ask for much more of those two in two minutes. Like, you're... It's- yeah. And, and just the the sheer fact that I can even name five matches on this sh- professional wrestling show, I think already puts it a, a step above of, of your average edition what, of, of Raw. Raw? Yeah. Oh, uh, well, there's more. There was more than five. No, I'm saying on this on this particular show on Raw, there were six. The, the six matches. That's it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, anyway, five of them I thought were really good. So the fact that the um I thought it was good, but man, the booking decisions throughout the show I did not agree with, uh, namely Raquel losing to Rada and Carmelo losing to Balor. Um, I just, you know, it just didn't like, I understand you, you, you want to have certain people in higher profile matches, get the big wins, but man, you should have more people on the roster than, than just this for them to get wins over. Anyway, how do you feel about the handling of like, how protected do you view Owens and Zayn as are as tag champions and coming out of WrestleMania? Like here where you're headliners on the first night like they're obviously like key parts of these shows but how would you view them just in terms of sort of that that top end mix that are treated as such i think in the tanking division their limit is only so high you know where they feel like they can be constant parts of the show they can be in you know throughout segments they can help people set up other programs they can have occasional interactions with jay uso but they'll never feel like main characters um, and that's sort of been an issue with Ballers and Owens ever since WrestleMania. They they just kind of feel like guys who are holding on to championships, but as long as they're tag team champion holders like or champions, there's just not there's just only so much they they can do without Roman Reigns attached to it. Um, so I I continue to feel like they are both far more ben- um, I guess uh, important to the show as single stars, and I I keep anticipating them losing the championships. Maybe they'll wait until SummerSlam before that happens. Yeah, I bring that up because it's been interesting to chart all of these Canadian numbers that in February and March, and it was the build up to mania, but dude, the Canadian numbers were through the roof. And I give a lot of that to the the Zane push like they he was a difference maker here in Canada. And since mm-hmm. mania, those numbers have totally come back down to earth. And I I've like doing this week by week. To me, it is very evident that the the whole Zane and Owens program meant a whole lot more in Canada. That's obvious. But since that, um, 
like the bloodline angle, it's met a lot in the US and has not correlated anywhere to that same degree in Canada. Like that thousand day Roman Reigns episode, like it was just another number for like Dynamite beat that SmackDown in the demo that week. That tells you like where Mm. it's at that in Canada, like obviously Zayn and Owens are going to be, you know, national figures, but like to me, it it has felt like they what they did have that lightning in a bottle has not been followed up on since WrestleMania, even though they are they're key players, but they're not the difference makers they were pre Mania. No, um, I think part of that is maybe the lack of tension that's been present ever since Owens and Zayn have gotten back together, and you've kind of divorced them from the bloodline. So much of that wonderful tension building that we've seen throughout the Sami Zayn, you know, run and turn. Um, has not been replicated through whatever they're doing. You're not I mean, chasing right. anything. There's no mm-hmm. story that draws you in week by week. It's like every week they're going to have matches and they're yeah. not engaged in any long-term issue or we're not building towards something where we're trying to see week by week. How they also don't have any genuine threat towards their tag team championships. Who are the challengers for these titles? You know, there's nobody. Who is it? Who are they building up? Gunther and uh, or Kaiser and Vinci. Like I want at some point it looked like it would have been Judgment Day, but Judgment Day are clearly doing their own thing. Uh, I think they're still owed a title shot. I I feel um, pro, what profits like that they're not doing anything. They just lost on on Friday, I believe. It's obviously so, the Viking Raiders. Yeah, of course. Like they're not doing anything to build any tag teams to challenge for Zayn and So I, you know, it's been it made for a really nice moment at WrestleMania. But I would take the belts off of them and have both of them go their separate ways as singles. Here is the lineup for Money in the Bank. Seven matches are now uh, part of the lineup. It is the men's Money in the Bank match has Ricochet, Shinsuke Nakamura, L.A. Knight, Santos Escobar, Butch, Damian Priest, and Logan Paul. The women's match features Zelina Vega, Becky Lynch, Zoe Stark, Bailey, Io Sky, and Trish Stratus. Cody Rhodes against Dominic Mysterio. Seth Rollins against Finn Balor for the World Heavyweight Championship. Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler against Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez for the tag titles. Gunther against Matt Riddle for the IC title. And what I assume is the main event, the Bloodline Civil War with Reigns and Sokoa against the Usos. I can't imagine anything else closing the show uh, beyond that. It's possible one of the latter matches closes, but um, yeah, it's hard for me to think Roman Reigns doesn't come out last uh, for the main event. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I just, I just can't imagine it. Um, and I think you, you could have Rollins and Balor as second from the top. So you at least have you, you if you wanted to do one of your money in the bank teases, you could. Um, they sometimes like True. to do that on the, the night of. But it's a very strong card. I think this is going to be a really good show on Saturday and with in front of a, a really hard crowd, phenomenal crowd that they're going to have in London on back to back nights with uh, SmackDown on Friday uh, as well. Mm hmm. All right. If you have any super chats, you are welcome to send them in. And we are also going to be going to feedback at forum.postwrestling.com. Let's go to feedback at forum.postwrestling.com. Um, I'll start us off, John. And then we go to Tanise from Georgia, who says the Raw Go Home show was decent with Gunther's match standing out as a reliable high no- highlight. Although Carmelo Hayes had a spotlight, more could have been done to establish him as a rising star. The upcoming London crowd promises an exciting money in the bank. Take care. Yeah, certainly. We we voiced our uh, our issues there. All right. Jermaine from Chicago. First, congrats on a successful weekend. Hopefully this is the start of quarterly meet and greets. Raw was an OK show and basketball is over. So what else is on? I saw I thought Sammy and Gunther had a really solid match minus the finish. Um, 
Okay, he wants to talk about Nick Khan. Didn't he tell us that it's important to build NXT up? Beating the NXT champion clean on his Raw debut will do the trick. Speaking of trick, I see he will be getting the Tucker treatment soon as Melo gets called up to the main roster. I know that Hunter doesn't stand up to Vince. The way he cared so much about NXT and had pride in it, no way he would have booked that match that way tonight. Do you guys think booking Damian Priest to lose before his big money in the bank match was a great idea? I think it's Vince once again scared to use his roster. I don't. I didn't have as much of an issue with Damian Priest losing on the the go home. I mean, Cody yeah. is your Cody's in a big featured match. I and you were in Georgia. I wouldn't have advocated for Rhodes losing either. I, I, I mean, I, I you know maybe I'm just kind of overthinking things. But the the way they book these sort of things, I actually feel like Priest is a bigger favorite having lost the the go home main event than Becky Lynch for going up and grabbing and holding the briefcase. So I think it improved his chances. Okay. Does this mean that? it's guaranteed Carmelo retains the NXT title or maybe he loses to Baron. Corbin, I think it's a, I think it's a no. pretty safe guarantee either way. Uh, let's go to Muggin who says a strong go home show. The third hour was stacked with Gunther versus Zane and Carmelo Hayes versus Finn Balor. The latter of which hit two birds with one stone. It draws more eyeballs on NXT and on Melo as a future call up. It was a test that he passed with flying colors. Dude is ready. I agree with everything about that, except for the way it was booked. Um, Muggin, you know, the video package I thought was outstanding. You know, like they need this sort of thing. Everything about tonight was a great reintroduction to Carmelo Hayes, except for the finish, arguably the most important thing. Uh, he says the last push towards money in the bank did its job. And Dominic continues to relish being such a heat magnet and cheap shot in Cody again. Makes me want to see him get his on Saturday. Okay, and the last one comes from Brian in New Jersey. By the end of the night, Cody and Dominic felt like a major part of the PLE, and I think Rollins and Balor has been a strong feud. Despite my thinking, there's no way Rollins is losing. Even though Gunther and Riddle is official, it seems secondary to the overall feud between Imperium and the Kevin Sammy Riddle contingent. The Women's Summit seemed like a better idea on paper. On Forbidden Door, Omega versus Osprey is absolutely a match of the year contender, but I agree that the Tiger Driver 91 wasn't needed. Also, before that, there was a gross moment where Osprey licked Omega's blood off his bicep, which reminded me of a far grosser moment from 20 years ago with Sexy Eddie. All right. Thank you, Brian. I don't think I'll be clicking on a Sexy Eddie. Link it's it's, it's a very um, famous spot uh, when uh, Sexy Eddie uh, went down to uh, CZW, but... Um, Yes, the squeamish don't have to click on the link. But Brian uh, is there to turn your stomach if you are so inclined on the forum. Thanks, everyone, for your feedback. And again, if you uh, didn't hear us earlier today, you can check out our Forbidden Door review. And a thank you to all of those that made their way out uh, to the Forbidden Poor over the weekend. It was a, a great time, a great time had by all. And uh, it was great to meet so many listeners from many, many uh, parts of the globe that uh, stopped by. I mean, we yeah, I feel uh, like half the, half the people there weren't from Toronto. When we did the poll and just asked who's from outside, was it outside of Toronto or outside yeah. of Canada? Um, outside of Toronto. but Outside of Toronto? I mean, dude, it had to be at least half the people. And mm-hmm. I talked to people from uh, from England, from Scotland, uh, New York. I mean, there were uh, – Nova Scotia. Detroit. Um, yeah. Brampton. Uh, Minneapolis, I mean, all, all over the place. Uh, so it mm-hmm. was great to meet uh, so many listeners, a very fun time. And the audio of the, the Q&A portion, it will be going up for patrons on Tuesday. And it's uh, it, we did our best with, with, with the audio. It was not the most uh, um, audio No, we, we enhanced it, okay? We made it sound even liver than it possibly could have felt in person. So you You'll feel like you're it. in the room. Yeah, exactly. Ultra enhanced 15K. Resolution. Ooh, 15. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. No shortage. Okay. Lots of shows coming up this week. So go to postwrestling.com and postwrestlingcafe.com or video.postwrestlingcafe.com uh, gets you access to all of our shows, including four cafe exclusives this week, beginning with the double shot on Wednesday night, as we will be live with Dynamite and then immediately followed by our review of the Junkyard Dog episode of Dark Side of the Ring. So that is it for us. Thanks for tuning in to Rewind to Raw. Good night.